we realize that history, H-I-S-T-O-R-Y, that history is his story. Think about it. H-I-S, his. T-O-S-T-O-R-Y. History is his story. It's all about Emmanuel, God with us. It's very obvious that all of history centers around the Christ event, his birth in the manger in Bethlehem, growing up as a carpenter's son in Nazareth, living a sinless life, baptized by John the Baptist who said of him that, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Then for three years he moved throughout all that area, healing the sick, the lame, the blind, raising the dead, speaking truth that was never heard before, confronting a dead legalistic religion, and speaking of the life that is found in him, the Son of God. You know, history, it's his story. I used to get this Christmas card a lot. I hadn't seen it lately. And it's a little more than this, but this is what I never forget about it. It says, all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever reigned, all the parliaments that ever met, and all the kings that have ever reigned have not affected the life of man on earth as the solitary life of Jesus Christ. He changed history. He did. Here we are, 2,000 years later, all over the world. People paused to worship him who is God manifest in the flesh. You know, the great truth is that Jesus is not a God. He is the God. He is. He is absolute deity. He's not a prophet. He is the God. Now, no scripture tells us better about the deity of Jesus. You see, Jesus is the son of man, perfect humanity, son of David, but he's also the son of God, perfect deity. So let's look at this scripture in Philippians chapter 2. And, and I want you to just to see how it says this whole thing of, of, of Emmanuel with us came to pass. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, the same, the word there is usiot, substance, deity, who being deity, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery, not consider it something to be held on to, to be equal with God. But look what he did. He made himself, he laid aside his deity. He took upon humanity, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, given him the name that above every name. Let me ask you, what is the name that is above every name? What is it? Jesus. Given him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, some knee will bow. Oh, no, no, no. At the name of Jesus, say it. Every knee shall bow. In heaven, should bow those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and that every tongue, this is awesome. I cannot wait till the day that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What a day that will be, my friend. The atheist, the agnostic, the skeptic, one day he'll realize who Jesus is. And you know what? With the fear of God upon him, he will cry out, Jesus Christ is Lord, but it's too late. And so we understand that it's all about Emmanuel, God with us. God took upon himself the form, the a human flesh, and lived on this earth as Jesus of Nazareth, as a man full of the Holy Spirit of God. And so we understand Listen to what the Bible says about that. In Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son, 
and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Prophesied years, hundreds of years before Jesus came. And then Isaiah said, but let me tell you about Emmanuel. Let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he's going to do. Tell, let me tell you his nature. He says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, history, his story, is all about Emmanuel, God with us. And last week we looked at his story, at just what it means for him to be Emmanuel, God with us. But now today we're going to move ahead and look at two things. Emmanuel... Jesus, our Savior and Redeemer. You see, that, that's the heart of the, of the story, and that's the heart of what he, why he came. Emmanuel, Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. You know, uh, the reason that God came into this earth in Jesus Christ is absolutely clear. He came to be the Savior. Listen to the Word of God. All right? He, he, you know, he's called the Savior. That means to, to save. A Savior save. It means to, to rescue. It means to deliver. It means to liberate. He's the Savior. And so it says in, in Matthew 1, 18 through 22, now the birth of Jesus as follows. His mother Mary was Betrothed to jo- before she was betrothed to jo- Joseph, they, they came together and, and, was, and, and she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Stop right there. Mary, Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary. Emmanuel was consumed in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. Okay? Then Joseph, being a just man and wanting to make her, a, didn't want to make her a public example, was minded just to put her away because, you know, she was expecting. But he thought, while he thought about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take, to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, a supernatural conception, a supernatural birth. No earthly father. You say, Brother Fred, why was it so important that Jesus had no earthly father because Adam sinned and the sin nature of Adam was passed down from generation to generation, from individual to individual. And so the fact that Jesus was conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit mean that he was not, did not have the nature of Adam and that he was not born with a sin nature. The first Adam did not have a sinful nature, but got one after he sinned. The last Adam, Jesus, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary, he did not have an earthly father, and therefore he was born without a sinful nature. And, and, and this is what the angel told Joseph. She shall bring forth a son. You shall call his name Jesus. Now listen at this. For he will save his people from their sins. He's, a, he's the Savior. It's all about sin. It's all about being saved from sin. And you call him name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. Luke came at it another way in chapter 2. Listen to what he said in verse 8. Now there was in the same country shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. Hey, can I stop right there? Why was that important? There came a time in the history of Israel when Ichabod occurred. The glory of God departed. Oh, yes. The glory left the Holy of Holies, and the glory of God departed. And there was 400 years. But now here comes Emmanuel, Jesus, into this world. And the angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord. Oh, the glory of the Lord is coming back. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. 
And the, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, but behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a, say the word, a Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ, our Savior. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, uh, it is so important to understand that Jesus came to save us from our sin. We did not need a teacher, but he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. We did not need a prophet, but he was, called, but he was the greatest prophet that ever lived. We did not need an educator, for he was the, but he was the most wise person that ever lived. What we needed was a Savior. Because we all have one thing in common. We're all sinners. We've all sinned. You know what Romans 3.23 says? For all have sinned. I looked up that word all. You know what it means? All. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Jesus came on a mission. And that was to save us from our sin. I I love what um, John 3.16 and 17 says. See, why did Jesus come? He came to be our Savior. That's why he came. Don't ever forget that. You needed to be forgiven of your sins. Your sins, your rebellion, your wickedness against God needed to be dealt with. And you could not save yourself from your sin. And so Jesus had to come and save us from our sin. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe in him you would not perish you wouldn't perish in your sin but you would have everlasting life now underscore this and please don't ever forget this god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so jesus came emmanuel jesus Christ the Savior. Don't you love what John the Baptist said about him? You know, John knew he was coming, and and they were trying to make John the Messiah. He said, no, he must increase and I must decrease. He said, I'm not worthy to tie the shoes of one that's coming after me. He said all those things. Jesus went to John and said, baptize me. And John said, I baptize you? Man, you need to baptize me. Jesus said, all things must be fulfilled. But the first public statement that John the Baptist made of Jesus, and as he began his earthly ministry, what was it? He said, it's in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know why Jesus came. He came because we were sinners. And our sin separates us from God. God is holy, holy, holy. And holy, holy God cannot be reconciled and have fellowship with sinful, sinful people. So Jesus came to do something about the greatest problem that man has, and it is the problem of sin. And so we understand why he came. He came to be the Savior. You know, he knew why he came. Remember he went to Zacchaeus' house? Zacchaeus was the head of the mafia. He was. He was a tax collector. And man, he, 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 where people were supposed to give $10, he, he got them to give $100. He was a thief. And all the ones that followed him were thieves. So Jesus went to his house. And, and, and when, when he was there, Zacchaeus said he, he got right with God. He repented. He said, I'm going to give back all I've stolen. And this is what Jesus said in the house of a sinner, Zacchaeus, in, in Luke 19.10. You know what he said? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. Friend, you don't have to sit around and wonder why Jesus came. He came because we're all sinners. 
And if we die in our sin, we will go to a place called hell and we'll be forever separated from God. But Jesus came to this earth to save us from our sin. That's why he came. And oh, don't ever get over that. Don't ever get away from that. That he is the Savior who came to take care and to die for our sins. But you see, he is not only our Savior, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He is also Redeemer, Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. You know, uh, it is amazing. You look up that word redeem. And, and you know, we got all those songs we uh, love to sing. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through his infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Then that other song that I love so much that I can't know all the words, but I have a redeemer. I'm telling you, what does the word redeem mean? It means to purchase. Redeemer, it means to purchase. It means to pay the price for. It means to buy back. That's exactly what it means. So Jesus came as the redeemer to purchase us, to buy us back out of the sin and wickedness, to pay the, what he came was to pay the price, to pay the price for our sin. And so he's the redeemer who came to purchase us to pay the price for our sin, which was an awful, 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 huge price to pay for our sin. Do you know, uh, it's so amazing how God will just put little nuggets in the Bible. You know, the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. And in, in the 19th chapter, Job is lamenting a lot that's going on in his life. And you could tell he was struggling but then he comes out with this. And I want you to look. This is the oldest book in the Bible. Thousands of years before Jesus came. Now look what he said. Job said this. He said, I know that my Redeemer, the one who will purchase me, that the one who will pay my sin debt, the one who will pay the price. He said, I know that my Redeemer lives. See, he knew Jesus was the eternal I am, the Son of God. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand on, on, at last on the earth. He said, I know my Redeemer lives, and one day he's going to stand on this earth. You see, Jesus is not only our Savior, but he is our Redeemer. He purchased us. He paid the price for our sin. And it was an awesome, awesome price that he played. You know, let's think about this. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. That's the wage. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what Jesus did was this. Salvation is a free gift from God. Now, you know that. You can't work for your salvation. You can't earn your salvation. There's nothing you could ever do to merit your salvation. For, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift from God. You know, Christmas is all about giving. Salvation in Jesus and our Redeemer it's a gift. He's a gift from God. And so we understand this, is that, that Jesus, while salvation is free, Jesus paid an awesome, he paid the greatest price that a person could ever pay for us to be redeemed from our sin. Salvation is a free gift from God, but it cost the Son of God his life. And you talk about paying a price. Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. A ransom. I'm paying the ransom. They were kidnapped. But I'm paying the ransom. 
Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down as a ransom for many. And so salvation is a gift, but it was paid with the greatest price that a person could ever pay. You know what the Apostle Paul said? He considered himself the chief of sinners because he was holding Stephen's coat, that great man of God, when they stoned him to death. He was putting, arresting Christians and taking them back to Jerusalem and jailing them. He was doing everything he could to create havoc for people of the way. But, you know, he realized that Jesus Christ paid an awful price for him. He understood the cross. And you know what he said? Paul said, God forbid that I should glory. I've seen the dead raised. I've seen the blind see. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen the demons cast out. I've seen people uh, uh, born again. He said, but let me tell you something. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross. Why would he boast in the cross? That was an instrument of death. God forbid that I should boast, saving the cross of Jesus Christ my Lord, by whom I am crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. Now let me tell you something. What I want you to understand this morning is what it cost God for your sin to be forgiven. What it cost God for you to be reconciled. What it cost God to take you out of the kingdom of darkness and to put you in the kingdom of light. What it cost God to take you out of the family of the devil and put you in the family of God. You know, I'm telling you, we need to understand that it was an awesome price that was paid by the Redeemer who purchased you and bought you with his own blood. You know, Isaiah, don't you love the way the Bible is? There's a scarlet thread that runs from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You go back there and you see the first shedding of blood when they killed a lamb, uh, an animal, so they could put skins on Adam and Eve, which meant that somebody had to die. Something had to die for their sin. And so we go back and see that first sacrifice where there was an animal slain and they were covered with the skin and the blood of an animal. Blood was shed. And you just go all the way through and then you get to the Passover when God brought them out of Egypt and there had to be a lamb for a household and the lamb's blood had to be shed and put over the doorpost, put over the doorpost and where the blood was seen, the death angel would go over and they would, the firstborn would not die. So you understand there's a scarlet thread that runs all the way through the Bible and it's pointing to the time when the lamb of God would come and die and take away our sin. And listen, I, I love Isaiah. Now, it was written at least 600 years before Jesus came. Now, he describes vividly the cross. In Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men. Why was that? Everybody should have loved Jesus. All he did was be kind. All he did was love them. All he did was reach out to them. All he did was offer them hope. But you know, he upset their religion. <laughs> yeah, he messed up their religion. It was all about the law. You got to do this and you got to do that and you got to. Jesus said, No, there's nothing you can do or don't do that'll take care of your sin. And so it's because he really came and upset their religion that they killed him. And it was God's will for him to die in our place. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, who, and acquainted with grief. You say, well, I would have been there. I would have rescued him. No. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we did not esteem him. No, it's not been all of your life that you knew who Jesus was or is. And all of your life that you've loved him and esteemed him. Oh, no, no. There were times when we despised what he said. We didn't want to do what he said. We didn't want to receive what he did. We wanted to live our own life. We wanted to go our own way. Oh, he says here, he was despised and rejected by men, yet we esteemed him stricken and and, and says, surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, wait a minute, smitten by God. He was smitten by God. The wrath of God was placed on Jesus when he was on the cross. Smitten by God and afflicted. 
And you go on in Isaiah 53, and you get over to, uh, uh, but he was, verse 5. Now, now, I want you to think about the cross. I want you to think about the price he paid for you. Now, I want you to put your name here. He was wounded for my transgressions. They pierced his side. They planted a crown of thorns on his head. They plucked his beard out. They spit in his face. He was wounded for our transgressions. My transgressions? He was wounded for your transgressions? For your sin? For your sin? You should have been wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. Can you imagine the lash that was across his back 39 times? And because of it, he bled so much, he gave away under the cross as he was taking the cross to Golgotha. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Are you ready for this? And by his stripes, we are healed. You know, the most personal thing in the world is the cross. The most personal thing in the world is that Jesus, everything Jesus did, he did for you. Now stop right now. And you start to say, well, I know Jesus died for the world. I know Jesus was wounded for the sins of the world. I know he was bruised for the sins of the world. I know that. But let me tell you one thing. You need to come right down and say, no, I know he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. He was stricken and smitten by God for my sin. You see, he's the redeemer. He purchased. He paid the price for. He bought back. He was wounded for our, and all we like sheep (laughs) had gone astray. You remember when you were astray from God? I do. That's a bad place to be, away from God. You see, you live in a world where there are the thief, the devil steals, kills, and destroys. But here's Jesus. He's a good shepherd, and he gives his life for the sheep. But you know, instead of going to him, all we like sheep just went astray. We turned our own way. We turned everyone to his own way. We said, I'm going to do it my way. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Wait a minute. So we turned away. We went astray. But here the Father, because of his love, took all of our iniquity. And it says here, he laid our iniquity on him. All of our sin were placed on. Now, he's the redeemer. He purchased. He paid the price for. He bought back. He's the redeemer. And it says, the Lord laid on him our iniquity. He was oppressed and inflicted. He opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. I'm telling you, do we understand the price that he paid? And then it says in verse 10, now, you've got to understand that the father was the one who placed the sin upon his son. That, it was the father who let his wrath come on Jesus on the cross. It says here, it pleased the Lord, the father, to bruise him. Wait a minute, Brother Fred. Jesus is the great I am. He was the word that was in the beginning with God and the word that was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was the sinless son of David. But here he is. And the father said, son, I am going to place all the sin of the world on you and you're going to experience the wrath, my wrath for sin. So it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to put him grief when he made his soul, Jesus, an offering for sin. My goodness. The Father made his own Son an offering for sin. Do you understand what it costs for you to be forgiven? Do you understand what it costs for you to be redeemed? Do you understand the awesome price that was paid? You know, um, on the cross, there came a time when all the sin every one of my sins and every one of your sins and all the sins of of anybody who would ever live past, present, and future was placed on the Son of God. And guess what happened? It became dark as midnight. In the middle of the day, 
it became dark. And for just an instant, the Father, it had never happened in eternity. Never will happen again. But in an instant, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this is what I know was in the Father's heart. I'm forsaking you, son, so that Fred will never have to be forsaken. I'm forsaking you, son, so that Bill and Jane and Sue, so that they would never have to be forsaken. You see, he was forsaken, so we would never have to be forsaken. It got dark, and the Father withdrew his presence for just an instant. And somebody told me last week, guess what happened when the Father withdrew his presence? It said there was an earthquake, and the rocks split. Remember I said last week that Jesus holds everything together? You know, he holds all the atoms in place. In him all things consist, and by him all things are held together. In that instant... It's a wonder the whole world didn't explode. The rock split and an earthquake in that instant because the one who held it together had been forsaken. You know, I, I'll tell you something. I love, we need to sing about our, our Redeemer. Man, I have a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. You know, the Bible says that Jesus redeemed us. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one work, he said, now God's going to judge everybody, okay? That includes you. Conduct yourselves... While you're on this earth, conduct yourselves throughout your stay here with fear. Remember, you're going to be judged by God. So as you live on this earth, don't live like you're not going to be judged by God. Knowing, he says, so live your time here in reverence and all for God. Now here's what I want you to know. Look at it. Knowing you were redeemed. Oh, here it is. You were redeemed. Not with corruptible things like silver and gold. You know, this world values silver. And this world values gold. Man, if I can just get enough silver, if I can just get enough gold, I can buy anything. That's one thing's wrong with riches. When you get a little, a little money, you think you have power that you don't have. This Bible calls them uncertain riches. But he said, let me tell you something. We weren't redeemed, purchased, paid for by corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Say precious. But we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. That's what it cost him. The blood gushed from his side, dripped from his bow. The very blood of God but with the precious blood of Christ. That's what it costs. That's what it costs for him to be the redeemer. That's what it costs for him to purchase you. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. In chapter 1, verse 24 and 25, that same chapter, it talks about that he bore our sins. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25. Who himself, now get this, make this personal, y'all. I mean, Emmanuel, Jesus, our Savior. Emmanuel, Jesus, our Redeemer. He redeemed us with his precious blood, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross. What are you saying to me, Brother Fred? Your sin was on Jesus when he was on the cross. There's a song that I don't think is biblical, but you can sing it. And I like the way it sounds. When I was on the cross... When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Uh-uh. When he was on the cross, your sin was on him. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin may live unto God, by whose stripes we are healed. Well, 
Man, I have a redeemer. If you're saved, you've got a redeemer. What an awesome, wonderful redeemer. Now, let me just show you two things and, uh, about what that, that, that are involved in that, him being our redeemer. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Now, the message that will change your life is when you know who you belong to. As long as you think, well, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven, I know that, and I'm going to heaven, and I want to thank God for it, and I'll be nice along the way. No, now, let me just tell you something. It says, the Bible says that you don't belong to yourself. Look at what it says. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Now, you are not your own. If you ever realize that, it's going to change the way you understand Christianity. You are not your own. Look at the rest of the verse. For you were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. See, I'm not my own. I can't do what I want to. I can't do what I want to do. Now, if it's good things and God says go ahead, but I'm talking about it's not about living for ourselves. Now, I'm telling you, it's not about living for ourselves. That's not it now. It's not it. That's not what it's all about. You were not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit who are what? God's. That's what it means to be redeemed. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 through 14, look at what it says. For every priest standing daily ministers repeatedly the same sacrifices that could never take away sin. But this man, Jesus, now listen. After he had offered one sacrifice for sin, yours and mine. After he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever. Sat down at the right hand of God. Because it was finished. It was finished. He sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. From that time waiting till all of his enemies would be made a footstool. For by one sacrifice, no more sacrifices are needed. None. The final sacrifice has been made. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Okay. He made one sacrifice for sin forever. He's our redeemer. He redeems you. He redeems me. And then I want you to look at Hebrews 9. And it's, you know what Jesus did after he died on the cross? You know, he went into heaven. <laughs> now, I want you to look at this verse. Now, I'm telling you, you see, when you understand all that's involved in redemption and all Jesus did, it, it just makes you want to shout. It makes you want to cry. It, it's just so glorious. You say, my God, I, how could you ever do that for me? But it's so glorious, I'll praise you forever. Now, listen to this, what Jesus did after he died on the cross. He cried, it is finished. The veil in the temple was torn in two. So he went back to heaven. And look what he did. He went into the Holy of Holies in heaven. He went into the Holy of Holies in heaven. And he says, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he went into the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Get this picture. Jesus has died on the cross. It is finished. The Father welcomes him and he goes into the heaven. And in heaven there's the tabernacle. There's the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. In heaven there's the, 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 uh, the holy of holies, there's the mercy seat. And so Jesus now, having died on the cross, goes into the holy of holies with his own blood. And he sprinkles the mercy seat in heaven seven times with his own blood. So that when the Father would see you once you were saved, he would see you through the mercy seat. He would see you through the blood of Christ. And for that way, you can be forgiven and you could be forever secure in the Son of God. Glory of all glories. The mercy seat in heaven is sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. And therefore, God can be merciful to you. God can forgive you. He can transform you. Your sins can be gone, cast forever into the depths of the sea. Never to be remembered anymore because the mercy seat in heaven is sprinkled with the blood of Christ. Well, I want to ask you a question. 
I'm just going to ask you this. Is he your Savior? No, I'm asking you now. Is he your Savior? Has he saved you from your sin? Let me ask you another question. Is he your Redeemer? Have you accepted the ultimate price that he paid and allowed him as your Redeemer to realize that you're not your own, that you belong to him, that he has paid the price for your sin? And so, therefore, in him and him alone, there is forgiveness. That's the only place. Not by blood of goats and lambs, but with his own blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, I'm asking you, is he your Savior? Has he redeemed you? Has he purchased you, bought you back, and restored you and reconciled you to God? I want to ask you, is Jesus your Redeemer? You say, well, Brother Fred, I don't know if he's my Savior. I don't know if he's my Redeemer. Well, my goodness, are you going to live your life not knowing? And go into eternity saying, I hope so, maybe so, I think so. God have mercy. You say, I say, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to admire him. Well, you can admire Jesus and die in your sin and go to hell. You say, well, I'm going to ignore him. It's pretty hard to ignore him. When everywhere you turn, you're running into Jesus or somebody who follows him. But you can't ignore him and die in your sin and go to hell. You say, well, I'll just reject him. Do you understand what you just said? If you say, I'm going to reject him, you've rejected the only sacrifice that could ever be made for your sin. And so, therefore, the only thing you've got to look forward to is judgment. You've rejected the sacrifice. And so, therefore... There's no other way. There's no hope for you. Let, let me just read these verses. And I'll, I'm going to tell you, these are very sobering verses. And, and, and you say, well, Brother Fred, this is joy to the world. I know it is. Praise God. And I, I, I got joy because I know that Jesus is my Savior and my Redeemer. And let me say something. When you know Jesus is your Savior and, and Redeemer, what have you got? You've got joy, J-O-Y, joy to the world the Lord has saved me and redeemed me. Amen? Amen? That's why we sing it. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. Most important thing in the world. When, you, when you're laying in intensive care, you're not going to say, man, I've got $500,000 in my 501K. You're not going to say that. The only thing you need to be able to say, I've got a Savior and I've got a Redeemer and He's waiting on me on the other side. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Boy, I tell you, if you reject the sacrifice, this is the most sobering passage in the Word of God. If we sin willfully, there's no other kind of sin. <laughs> it's willful sin. So if what he's saying is if we go on sinning. Well, if we go on sinning after we receive the knowledge of the truth, you know what the knowledge of the truth is? He made one sacrifice for sin forever, Okay. And by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. So that's the knowledge of truth. Well, I know about the cross, and I know about his sacrifice, but I'm just going to willfully, I'm just going to go right on sinning, and I received the knowledge of the truth, but I'm not going to do anything about it. He says, well, there's no other sacrifice for your sin. You just rejected the only sacrifice there was. If you know the knowledge of the truth, you know he made the sacrifice, and you reject it, there's no other sacrifice. But what have you got to look forward to? Now, I'm just reading the Word of God. A certain fearful expectation of judgment. You reject the sacrifice, the shed blood of Jesus. There's no other sacrifice. So all you got to look forward to is judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who rejected Moses' law died without mercy at the testimony of one or two or three witnesses. But look at this. Oh, my gosh. Of how much greater punishment do you think Suppose will be, he thought worthy, who has trampled the Son of God under your feet, counted the blood of his covenant an unholy thing, by which he was sanctified, counted blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and you've insulted, you've insulted the Spirit of grace. You know what grace is? God says, I sent a Savior for you. 
You didn't deserve it, but I did it. I sent a redeemer for you. You didn't deserve it, but I did it. You say, I know, but I'm going to keep right on sinning. I, I know about, about the sacrifice. I know what he did on the cross. I know, but it's not, I'm just going to go. He said, okay, all you've got to look forward to is judgment, the fiery indignation, because you've rejected the sacrifice. For we, know, we know he said, vengeance is mine. I will repay it, saith the Lord. The Lord will judge his people. And then this next verse. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Would you think about that a little while? It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So I plead with you. I implore you. I beseech you. I plead with you. Do not reject Jesus. Do not reject his sacrifice. Do not trample the blood of the Son of God under your feet. And don't you insult the grace of God that was given so that you could be forgiven and you could be saved. See, the best news I've ever heard was that Jesus is my Savior and Redeemer. But the worst news I've ever heard is that somebody rejects him as Savior and Redeemer and goes into eternity without him. I hope you believe the good news. And instead of rejecting Jesus, you receive him as your Lord and your Savior. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that Jesus made the perfect sacrifice for sin forever. And thank you that in Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven. Our sins can be washed away with his precious blood. We can be reconciled to you through Jesus Christ. We can be one with you. We can be born into the family of God. And we can be in the kingdom of light and not the kingdom of darkness. And so, God, my prayer is that no one within the sound of my voice would reject Jesus Christ, reject his shed blood, reject the perfect sacrifice he took, he did for them. Dear God, I plead for the souls of everyone in this place that no one, no one, no one will reject the Lord Jesus, and die in their sin and go into a crisis eternity, forever forsaken by God in utter darkness. This morning, are you ready to do something about it? You know what you can do? I don't normally do this. But what you can do is right there where you're sitting, you, you, you can acknowledge to God that you have willfully gone on sinning. Lord, I've just kept on sinning. I've just kept on sinning. I haven't received the sacrifice. I haven't. But I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior to save me from my sin. I believe Jesus Christ is the Redeemer who can redeem me, purchase me, pay for me, bring me back through his precious blood. So I make a deliberate choice not to go on sinning. That's right, Lord. I make a deliberate choice not to go on sinning. I make a deliberate choice to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. God, you've spoken to me. You've convicted me. You've drawn me. And I make a deliberate choice to repent of my sins, turn away from them, not to go on sinning. And a deliberate choice to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And let him wash my sins away with his blood and come and sit on the throne of my heart and reign in my life forever. Now you can do that right where you are. What, what, what are you waiting on? Will you have another opportunity? Will God speak to you again? You say, I'll receive him. I'll receive him. I repent. I, won't, I, won't, I don't want to go on sinning. I want Christ to save me and change my life. You pray in right now and ask him. You just do it right where you are. I'd like for you to come down and share with me that you made that choice. So maybe you say, I just need to come down to the altar and pray. And let the Lord know that I received the sacrifice that he made for me. And we'll just pray for you as you're kneeling there. So here's the invitation this morning. If you want us to pray with you and you're making that choice to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, let us pray with you. If you say, Brother Fred, I've already done that, and I just want to come and renew my vows, renew my commitment, renew my surrender to the Lord Jesus. I don't want to be a distant follower. 
In light of what he's done for me, I want to be a close follower of the Lamb. I'm coming back to a closer walk with him. But just come and let us pray with you at the altar. You kneel here. You know, some of you have been praying about becoming a member of Luke 418. Now, if you're saved, you know that Christ lives in you, then you need to put your life here. If you're going to attend here, you know, you're welcome to come and you don't have to join. But why wouldn't you want to make a commitment to belong to this body? And we'll make a commitment to you. And then when you come down and you say, Brother Fred, I want to be a part of Luke 418, then right then you're coming into membership for this, of this church. And if you're going to be a member, you're going to have to come forward. Now, later on, we'll have a class where, but really, you, you, you just need to publicly declare that you are saved and you want to be a part of this body. That's the way we're going to do it from now on. And if you're going to want to, then you should come on. And then later on, we'll have a class and we'll go through, through, through some things. But right now, if you know you're saved, you need to make that choice. Stand with me right now. Brother David and Brother S.L., myself, will be here at the altar. God has spoken to your heart. You come right now. Whatever your choice may be, you come right now in Jesus' name. All to you, Lord, I surrender. All to you, I freely give. I will ever presence daily live I surrender all I surrender all all to you my blessed Savior I for just a moment I pray the Holy Spirit will assure you that you are a child of God that you're saved and you've been redeemed and that with all your heart you'll love and follow Jesus I pray that if he's shown you that you're not saved you will not let your eyes be closed in sleep tonight until you repent and say God be merciful to me a sinner I know my only hope of eternity is the shed blood of Jesus. And I don't want to keep on sinning. I want to follow you. And if you're attending Luke 480, I want you to start praying about going ahead and making a commitment and putting your life into this church. And join with us. We're committed to you, but it'd be good for you just to say, well, I'm, I'm going to plant my roots at Luke 418. Now, Lord, we just thank you so much for the cross and for the blood of Jesus. You can be seated a moment. Before you, uh, ushers, you come forward at this time. I'll tell you what the Lord told me. All right, so you need to listen because you didn't know what he told me. You know, I, we gave a, a, a nice check to Ruka House, but the Lord said it wasn't enough. He said, you, you didn't give them enough. He said, so I want you to do this. Any cash that goes into the offering that doesn't have a budget on it, any cash that goes in this thing, it's going to go to them. Because, I'm, I mean, hey, I should have known better and made it bigger. But, you know, sometimes we're slow. You understand that, don't you? So the way, if you want to help me get out of trouble, then you give. And let's give, a, a, and that cash will go to help them in their ministry.
That's a great way to end, isn't it? You know, that was a whole lot better than Jingle Bells. That was good bells. Praise the Lord. Let's stand together. Don't forget tonight, choir's going to blow the roof off, singing glory to God, exalting Jesus. Thank you for coming. If you're visiting, I'll be over here to the left. I'd love to speak to you after the service. All right? No service Wednesday night, but we'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Ed, go ahead. I want to thank Noel and the We Praise Choir. They're our children learning to sing for the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, we've heard it over and over again, but it never gets tired. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's sing it again. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, his name is called Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us, his name is called Emmanuel. Take that name with you. It's the greatest name in history. Praise the Lord.